Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. What's up, guys? This is David, a.k.a. Reverse Long. I'm here with Joe. Joe Kennedy with uh, Four Eyes Finance. And uh, yeah, we're doing another one of these macro jabber things. I like to do them because uh, recent, you know, this past year or so, I've been trying to be more aware of what's going on macro, you know, especially me as a, as a discretionary trader and like considering a lot of different factors. I figured now it's finally starting. Uh, I should be more aware of like overall what's going on just just a little, you know, just to add that in there, just like I get like this year, I've worked on getting better with like filings, SEC filings and understanding other things. You know, it's it's definitely helped a lot. So just to be more aware, you know. So anyway, I we got Joe here on for that. And we're going to cover the overall markets because, you know, the markets have changed, especially from the last couple of years. We're shifting into a different market that's more bearish, especially, you know, so. Joe's uh, always got his ears on the grounds for uh, stuff macro concerning macro. So we are doing a little quick and painless um, podcast discussing that kind of stuff. Try to make it interesting too and fun. So yeah, what's up, Joe? How's it going? Appreciate it, David. Good, good, good. Um, we were just going over a quick list of things that are on my mind. I thought we'd start out with interest rates because uh, everyone's talking about the Fed, inflation, interest rates, etc. And uh, just tapping back to my brain from college, I was a finance major and we had more of like a CFA prep program, um, which has a lot more fundamental analysis on companies as opposed to like a CMT would be like kind of a chartist or a technical type person. And one of the interesting things um, I thought and wanted to get your two cents on it is how the valuations on a lot of these high growth, small cap companies are changing as interest rates go up. And if you build a discounted cash flow model, you have a piece of it where you project the future cash flows, but you have to discount them back to the present day value, right? So you have a terminal growth rate that you have to determine. And the thing that goes into your growth rate is the interest rate to the market, which is changing as it grows higher, it slows down the valuation. So you have some interesting growth companies like Affirm, Upstart, DocuSign, Digital Ocean that are seeing all this money leaving them because their growth projections are changing significantly, which kind of feeds into what... Uh, you're starting to look at more now too, is you're swing trading um, these small caps to the short side. And this could, this could play a factor in it. Um, I want to see if you had any thoughts on interest rates, they're changing what you see from that perspective. Um, this was one thing that stuck out with me as I was thinking about it. You know, it's very interesting. So you mentioned the, the DocuSign and a couple other stocks. Those, those are more like considered blue chip, I guess, or with higher valuation in general. And um yeah, but the small caps, we're talking about, they're just, they they have a totally different personality. That's why I, I, I ignored macro for a long time or just I didn't. First of all, to get involved with learning how to trade, you got so much on your plate. Macro is like the last thing. But I'm starting to catch up now where like 
I became more knowledgeable about so many other things. And now I can, I need to learn some macro. I have time for it. But um, because so small caps are really not affected. I mean, we got a stock right now, um, ADN, it's up 254%. And oh, it's, yeah. uh, what's the, it's a uh, 200 million uh, market cap. Yeah. So that's considered. Do you, do you have the price to sales or price to earnings up for it as well? I just have curiosity. I, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, not. And um, yeah, I guess I can't look at it now. We should have. Next time I'll, I'll have that ready for you. It's but that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. Yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's just like usually these things are bloated. They go, they just have big price swings in the small caps. However, you know, like like uh, those larger caps that you mentioned, they get more affected by the overall market because a, a lot of uh people have those in their portfolios, just like you know, yeah. not just not just momentum gamblers, but just like people in general, and then like you got I guess like portfolio managers managing it all kind of in a similar way. Yeah. So it all gets affected when there's interest rates involved and all that. So one of, the, um, um, one of the interesting companies that came out and talked about it first was target. I don't know if you've seen target stock recently. I think it had, its I, biggest, I, I know it fell. I had a big drop. Uh, yeah. Not too long ago. And there was on their adjusted um, earnings projections for the next quarter, talking about how their margins are going to be compressed and they have to get rid of all this inventory. And then you saw Walmart and Costco have similar uh, impacts as well. So it's pretty interesting if you look at those big companies and things that we, because like what stock is up 200% right now? ADN and actually it's a four dollar stock. It's not like a it's not like a sub penny or under a dollar yeah, stock. It's, it's, it's like it's a decent price. Sized. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting when you see things that you see like every day in your in your regular life yeah. making these kinds of claims. So I thought it was interesting to bring up. Uh, the next see, thing but, I, but Joe, one more thing with that. So like when you mentioned the interest rates and how that affects or like what's going on with Target and Walmart and all that, that does come in. That does affect the whole the whole market. You know, you got a lot of companies that. I know there was some company in the small caps mentioning uh, they got they just oh yeah yeah this this uh, karaoke com- uh, machine company said they they're putting <laughs> their their product on Walmart shelves and stuff and if that if Walmart's affected it's going to affect that somewhat so you know it's yeah. always good to keep that in mind but um but yeah I just wanted to mention that part yeah and, and you're good at stuff like this a lot better than I am of of understanding that the market is literally just sentiment. And when you have people that are scared because rising interest rates are going to slow down growth and a lot of things, it's just like it's sentiment being trickled down, but it's difficult to see it tangibly when you're not looking at it. Absolutely. And that's that's the most important. Okay, so it's like, okay, is everybody bullish? Is the Uber driver buying? Is Mm -hmm. is the the Postmates guy when he delivers uh, my my cauliflower pizza? Is he (laughs) going to on the elevator down? Is he going to buy a stock? This was the case last year. This was the case the year before. The guy yeah. would deliver your pizza, actually, buy Doge. and then he and then he'll buy Doge. You know, so what's the sentiment? Is, are people yeah. excited? Is, you know, are they going to jump in? Are, is everybody? You know, so that it's it's something to consider always. So now now with everybody in fear because the interest rates and all that, um, it's good it's good to know like what what's the environment of the overall market. I think that's what I'm getting the most out of it out of having these talks and yeah. like being more. Under, you know, understanding macro more. Yeah. So with, with that, what what about the interest rate? So Powell came on the other day and like he, what's going on with him? Like he's trying to like not freak everybody out, but like he's trying to make the everything balance out in a way. And, and like, instead of yeah. like a crash, just kind of like a safe landing while we crash, while we go down. It's, I'm still like such a newer trader and I've never like, since I've 
understood the markets for the last, I don't know, like I've never been in an interest rate rising environment. I've only ever known interest rates to be like damn near zero, but it's an interesting predicament because they want to shrink the balance sheet while the stock market goes down, but they want to raise rates to tame inflation. It's like this weird conundrum that they're in all in the year where there's an election. They have midterms this year. So like no politician, Biden doesn't want this to happen because then it looks like it's a a reflection of him. Um, And like you said, with sentiment, a normal American looks at their 401k or their IRA or whatever last year. And they're like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then today we've given, I think on the spy, we've given away all of the 2021 gains today. We've come all the way back. So it's like a weird conundrum that the feds in, cause you know, it's manipulated, but you know, it's not, but who are, who am I to be like smart enough to say that the feds manipulating it. Right. Yeah. They have a market that's going yeah. down while they're raising rates and tightening. And the only way to, to, provide liquidity is to stop either that or lower rates, which they can't do because they've already come out and said they won't. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to pan out, but this, this is a segue to the next thing that I was thinking about is the Japanese yen. Um, and I've only read a few articles on it, so I'm no expert in, in their whole situation, but people are saying that it's a, a projection of what the U S might look like. Cause they have like a crazy, I think our debt to GDP is what 125% where Japan is like 400%. But now the Japanese central bank pretty much owns the bond market while they're trying to manipulate interest rates and they have inflation that's going out of control with an aging uh, population. I like their working class is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So it'll be something that maybe we can talk about in a, a year, two years, because now people are saying that there's George Soros like bets on the Japanese yen that it's just going to collapse. Um, kind of like he had on the British pound in like what the nineties. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention that. Okay, so you're talking about the current stuff that's happening with the Japanese yen, right? Because like yeah. there was a documentary I forgot what it's called, uh, Prince of the Yen or something. I don't know. It was a really good documentary. I think that's what it's called. Because like in the in the '90s, um, they had a bubble over there. Then it, it like, are you aware of that? I'm not aware of it, but it, I need to go well, back and read about this now. It sounds right. Yeah, it's because it sounds very similar. What, what you're talking about? Maybe it's a Maybe, yeah. you know, it's happening all over again, but um, very interesting stuff. So, all right. And then with that, we have Michael Saylor on the notes here. Yeah. All so right. I brought this up because I'm uh, in the St. Lucie community and in the chat rooms and constantly following that. And there we work with Spencer, one of the people at St. Lucie who's who follows it really closely. And as Bitcoin was approaching 21K, it became like the big news, like, this is where Sailor is supposed to get liquidated. For anyone who doesn't know, his company, oh, MicroStrategy, yeah. I think they have 120,000 Bitcoin, or they have a crazy amount. They've taken out loans to buy more Bitcoin. Um, but I, I read an article then that said that he's only taken a $250 million loan for Bitcoin. And, and since he has so many Bitcoin to collateralize the loan, he can he can ride Bitcoin down to three grand. Um, so I wanted to see your thoughts on that. He can ride it down to three grand. Before wow. he pays like a margin call or need to provide more collateral. So he's just never going to sell then because like it's got a while. It's still got a while to go to three. It's not going to just crash yeah. unless something yeah. unforeseeably, you know, like a black, super black swan, like yep. uh, like Luna. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he's the one with the Luna tattoo, isn't he? I, I, I didn't. I haven't followed him that much. I've seen a few podcasts with him. I'm pretty um, sure he has a big Luna tattoo right before Luna crashed. He got it. It's crazy, man. Um, yeah. insane but i mean you know i know a lot of we were talking about it before like how i, was, I went to, i was in dubai like a few weeks ago and like you know 
some people might not like me saying it. I mean, I have no position. I have a small position in BTC and a small position on Ethereum that I had last year. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? Uh, let me let me put this aside. I need to focus on stocks. That I make I make a lot of money with stocks. Let me stick to that. Yeah. Uh, and then in the future, maybe I'll uh, I'll yeah, revisit it. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, I, I interviewed these uh, BSV guys. Very nice people on my podcast. And like, I went to the BSV events. BSV is supposed to be like Bitcoin 2.0 or like Satoshi. The real Satoshi is supposed is, you know, it pretty much almost confirmed like 90% that it's Dr. Craig Wright. And uh, if that's the case, if, if BSV, if what they're saying is true, remember, I, I don't really have a strong position in BTC and I have no position in BSV. So I like, I don't know, I feel like I'm able to think pretty clear and I, I, I could consider myself uh, pretty pretty intelligent. Um, if what they're saying is true, then the Luna thing is going to happen to BTC. I said it. You know, <laughs> what's the market cap of BSV? Um, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, that would it does, be it does everything that big Bitcoin does, and it does everything Ethereum does combined. And supposedly the same guy that created Bitcoin created BSV, uh, and like. You know, you got Sam Bankman, Frieda, and some bigger players. Supposedly, supposedly, conspiracy theories is that they're they don't want it listed on their exchange. Yeah. Eventually, if the truth always comes out, eventually, if this is true, yeah. then that's gonna be a big problem. Uh, Luna, we're gonna see a Luna effect. And you know, the thing is, I love history. I love history, man, and I love looking back. I know, like, I always think about 1999. What I was doing, I was like, man, I, I remember like. Julio the rapper came out or whatever, maybe that was <laughs> around the time, Gangster's Paradise or whatever. You know this song? Yeah. Yep. And then like, you know, this is like it's like memories from like my childhood. And I was totally unaware of what the market was doing. But the whole market was doing all this uh going euphoric stuff, and then it came all to a crash. So I like to study the historic charts and imagine myself in that time period if yep. I was involved in the markets. Yeah. And Luna could be the the beginning of the end. Yeah. The precursor. So, like, we all know there's a lot of coins out there that don't belong at their prices. So, like, what they're all going to go away. How they're how are they going to go away? We're we're gonna, in my opinion, we're, it's going to be like one after another, and then yeah. the real and one comes. You know, so it's the just, amount of the the amount of leverage in this market versus other markets back in the is it, it's it's yeah. difficult to process that because there's so much more leverage involved. You know, you know, that's the crazy part, Joe, is like we, we, as human beings, we all have the same like emotions and, and all that. You you would think human being human beings have failed to evolve in this way. Like we always want to use leverage. We always we, uh, euphoric. You know, the same yep. crash happened in 1929. It happened in 2008. It happened, I think, even before that, where people take out credit and then they use it for stocks and like, yep. More and more and more. <laughs> it's crazy. So I don't know, man. It's 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 insane. It's it's crazy. So it's gonna be interesting how it all plays out. Myself, man, I was a, a full. How you say full transparency or whatever. I was talking to my friend, the Bitcoin, and he's like, "Man, David, you know, you said last year you would buy Bitcoin at nineteen thousand when it crashes from sixty-eight thousand, uh, because that's where I saw the support, <laughs> yeah. the support level at the time." Yeah, and here then, it comes. And then he's like, he's mentioning it to me. I'm like, oh shit, I did say that. That was a good support level at the time. I was really, I really liked that support level. And <laughs> uh, 
And then now I look at it, I'm like, man, I'm adjusting it. I'm adjusting. That's 5,000 for me now. Then you're telling me Michael Saylor's 3,000. So 5,000 actually is a good place to buy. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's fun to see Peter Schiff on Twitter too, because he always calls. There's like two people. There's like Pompliano, who's always like, we're closer to 68 than we are to zero. And then there's Schiff, who's like, I think 3,000 is a great price target for this. Yeah. The thing with Schiff, I mean, I listen to Schiff all the time. He had a podcast the other day. He's like trying to, the title of it was so like uh, clickbait. It's like he yeah. called the, the bear market or whatever. But uh, Schiff has been saying it, this repetitively for like 10 years. You know what I mean? He's been a bear for like That's 10 years. That's why you years. have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. It's like, of course. <laughs> Maybe you'll bump shoulders with him. He's in Puerto Rico. He's out in the yeah. He is in Dorado or something. Yeah, I heard yeah. he plays beach volleyball down over there. He's, he's very no accessible. You know, we, we if when you're in Puerto Rico, we should go meet him. Yeah, we we'll gotta go meet him. With him. Volleyball. It's him and his son. <laughs> yeah. So wow. okay, and um, the housing market. What what are the what are your thoughts on the housing market? Um, I actually I got another call here, so we'll save it for the next time because it's going to keep evolving. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Well, great, Joe. Thanks for, for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do this again soon. I really appreciate it, David. Always fun. Absolutely. All right, All right guys. Later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David, where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.